Hey, welcome Hope City Church. How are you today? You doing good? Hey, real quick before we get started, how about that Kentucky Derby last night? Come on. It's kind of a sore subject I realized on Facebook last night. I was like, ooh, don't mention that. Of course, I'm going to mention it. Um, hey, if you don't know me, my name is Jono, and I'm the campus pastor at our Shepherdsville location. What's up, Shepherdsville? How are you guys doing? Can we welcome Shepherdsville? Yeah. We love Shepherdsville. Um, last week, actually, my wife and I celebrated one year of being at Hope City Church, and uh, this has been the best year of our lives. We absolutely love it. And I've learned that... Uh, Shepherdsville, Bullitt County is just kind of an extension of Texas where I came from. <clears throat> we, we're a little bit country out there, y'all, a little bit country. Um, in fact, uh, on my way to church this morning, I was listening to my favorite worship leader, just trying to get my head right. You guys know, just try to get your head right. And uh, so I was listening to my favorite worship leader, uh, Luke Bryan, and uh, he was talking about hunting, fishing, loving every day, and that's just what we do out in Shepherdsville, all right? We just, it's awesome. It's, it's amazing. Um, hey, we are in week two of our series, straight out of the Old Testament, and I love this series. Um, this is going to be really cool. L- last week, Pastor Jason talked about Abraham, and uh, this week, I'm going to talk about a guy named Naaman. Can everybody say Naaman? Naaman. And we're just going to give some practical um, advice based on these Old Testament um, people, all right? So I need you to look at your neighbor Give them a high five and help me announce my title and say, it's a cover-up. It's a cover-up. All right. Hey, speaking of cover-up, it made me think of some things that we use to uh, cover up maybe some insecurities that we have or maybe some imperfections that we have, and we all do these kind of things. So I actually brought some things with me today that we might use to cover up, all right? So our first one, it's not that one. Here it is. Our first one is... Maybe a hat, right? You wake up, maybe you wake up late, and so you don't have time to do your hair, so you just whack, throw on a hat, right? Um, or maybe, <clears throat> maybe you're just having a bad hair day, and so you, you go to your closet, you pick out your favorite Texas hat, right? <laughs> and uh, you throw on your hat, and it covers up your hair. Or, uh, sir, we all know that you're balding underneath that hat, um, so you can take it off. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so we cover up maybe our bald spots, with our hats, right? Um, another thing that we use to cover up, here we go. What about this? Deodorant. Deodorant. I hope we all use this, okay? <laughs> Maybe we need to cover up some of our stank a little bit, right? We all got it. We all got that stank a little bit. So we use some deodorant to cover it up. Uh, <laughs> what else do we got? Okay, here we go. Some mouthwash, all right? Um, maybe you need to cover up some of your bad breath germs, so you just take a little swig, right? Um, teenagers, I was a student pastor for six years in Texas, and so I got a little bit of street cred with you guys. Um, this does not cancel out brushing your teeth. All the parents, come on. <laughs> yeah, this does not cancel out brushing your teeth. You still got to do that, but this will help once you're done brushing your teeth, all right? Okay, just make sure you guys know that. <laughs> um, what about this? A candle, right? I don't know about you guys, but whenever I have someone coming over to my house, I strategically fly open the closet door, throw everything inside of it, <laughs> close it, go light a couple candles, light a couple scentsies, and uh, get my house smelling somewhat normal because we all have that house smell, right? 
Every house has some type of house smell, especially mine. I have three kids that are all you know, five and twins that are three, and uh, so my house definitely has a house smell, all right? So we use that to cover up our house smell. Uh, let's see. Dry shampoo. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really sure how this works. Uh, <laughs> all I know is if you're like my wife, you don't wash your hair for two, three 17, 18 days, and uh, <laughs> just kidding, and I'm just serious. And so you spray this, spray this in your hair a little bit, and it's supposed to, to clean your hair, covers up your stink, I guess, I don't know. Um, that's how it works, dry shampoo, right? Um, let's see, what else, okay, here we go. This is one of my personal favorite things to do, okay? I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little insecure when it comes to my midriff area, Okay. And so I've learned in life that if you wear layers, it helps, okay? So I will throw on a jacket or like an overshirt 90% of the time. Look at that. You can't even tell. You can't even tell. So I put on my belt in the morning, cinch it tight, and, you know, just kind of protrudes over your belt loops a little bit. I've got, <laughs> I've got a, little, a little less love and a little more handle, right? And um, so I use this all the time. I use jackets, sweatshirts, whatever, you know. A little insecure. It's okay, right? Um, another thing, and the last thing I'll talk about that we do, I'm currently doing right now, but I'm good at it, and so you guys don't know. I am wearing makeup. Um, <laughs> just lost some more street cred right there. Um, so every single Sunday morning, I wake up. I don't know what it is about Sundays. I, I wake up. I look at myself in the mirror, and I say, man, you are one handsome guy. And uh, then I, my wife wakes up out of a dead sleep. Yeah, you are. I'm like, you're awesome. And uh, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. And uh, <laughs> so I, I see something on my face, and I'm like, oh, cover that bad boy up. So I grab my wife's cover up, bop, 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 cover it. We're good, right? And I've gotten good at it, so now you can't even tell, right? It's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I'm pretty good at it. But we are so good at covering up our imperfections, we're so good at covering up our insecurities. We're so good at covering up our wounds. We're so good at covering up our hurts. Um, we've become professionals at covering things up. And so what I want to talk about today is how we all have wounds, how we all have insecurities, how we all have hurts that we hide from people and we hide from God. And this is important because God won't heal what you're hiding. God won't heal what you're hiding. And so we're looking in the Old Testament today in 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to talk about Naaman. Naaman was a professional at covering up his wounds. Naaman was. This man was a man of power. He was a man of influence. He had it all together, but he had one hurt. He had one wound, one insecurity that he kept hidden. And so if you want, you can grab your sermon guides. You should have got them on your way in. Or uh, grab the Bible in your chair or underneath the chair in front of you and follow along. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5, all right? Starting with verse 1, it says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though, everybody say, but though. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. I want to stop right there, first verse, because I think we can all relate to that statement right there. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, 
he suffered from leprosy. But though I'm a great warrior, I struggle with leprosy. But though I'm a great dad, I struggle with anger. But though I'm a great mom, I struggle with insecurities. But though I'm a great leader, I struggle with insecurities. But though, I, but though I'm a great friend, I struggle with jealousy. But though I'm a great person, I struggle with addiction. And I remember growing up as a kid, hearing uh, and seeing on like cartoons where there would be like an angel on one shoulder and like a devil on the other shoulder, right? And they would be telling you different things to do. No one told me that that's a real thing when you grow up. Like, <laughs> that's a real thing. It really is. And, and that's why we can be two different people at the same time. That's why at work you're one way, but when you come home, you're a completely different person. Or that's why one day you can be great, you can be happy, you feel good, and then the next day you're depressed, you're lonely, you're angry at the world, you're mad at everybody. And when I read this story, there's some things that we can learn through Naaman about healing. And so today I want to give you four things that God uses to heal us. Because Naaman is just like us. He was hiding his wounds, and we're hiding our wounds. Um, and so the first one is found in the, fir- in the second um, scripture, uh, 2 through 4. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 through 4, it says, At this time, Aram- at this time, raiders, skip that word, at this time, raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king. The first thing that God uses to heal us is honesty. Write that down on your sermon guide, honesty. First thing that he uses to heal us is honesty. What's interesting to me is that is that God used someone to call out Naaman. God had to use someone to call out Naaman in order for him to be honest. And it took someone who really, really knew Naaman, uh, who really, really knew him to get him the help that he needed. The thing I want you to remember is that Naaman is the commander of the army. And back back in these days, if you were in the army, you wore your armor, right? Well, if you were the commander of the army, you always wore your armor. You had to have your armor on all the time because you never, know, you never knew when you had to go fight a battle. You always had to be prepared. So Naaman wore his armor, and I got thinking about Naaman, and I got thinking about his life. And probably one of the only people to see him without his armor on was his wife and his maid. So it took someone who really, really knew who Naaman was to lead him to the direction he was supposed to go. And I can imagine how Naaman must have felt when the maid called him out. She said, hey, you need help. Because Naaman's wound, Naaman's problem was leprosy. And the thing about leprosy is that you can actually live with leprosy for a very, very long time, and it won't kill you. Leprosy was a disease, and the best way I can describe it is it just rots your body. So a lot of times it would start in your hands, it'd rot your fingers, they'd fall off, your hands would fall off, your limbs would fall off. It was a horrible disease. And if you had leprosy in the Bible, you were considered unclean, and they forced you to go live in isolation, to go live alone, to go live secluded, because they didn't want you to spread your disease. 
And Naaman had done such a good job at covering up his wound, at covering up his leprosy, that he was able to rise in the ranks and become the commander of the army. My man was good at covering up his wounds. And so I can imagine the stomach-dropping feeling he must have had when he knew he had to be honest and tell someone. And I'm sure Naaman had the same thought that we all have. Well, if someone sees the real me, what would they think? Well, if my wife saw the real me, what would she think about me? If my boss saw the real me, what would they think? I would lose my status. Maybe I would lose my reputation. You and me, we're so comfortable carrying our hurts, carrying our pain, and carrying our problems. Could it be that we wouldn't know how to live without them? Could it be that Naaman was so used to his wounds that he wouldn't know how to live without them? And it wasn't until Naaman showed someone the real version of himself that he was able to take the next step into his healing. So Naaman had a problem. But in the first four verses, we, we were, were brought another person that, that had a problem too. And her, she was the maid. She actually doesn't even have a name. She was the maid. The maid had a problem. See, she was a servant in Naaman's house. She was captured in a battle and forced to be a servant in Naaman's house. And I'm sure she had no control over her life at all. This maid had no control over what she got to cook. She had no control over what she got to eat. She had no control of when she got to wake up in the morning. She had no sleep-in days. She had, she had no status. She had no reputation. She had no value. And I could probably put myself in her shoes and say she probably felt alone and she felt abandoned. And she thought she served no purpose. And to Naaman, she was a nobody. But to God, she was needed. To Naaman, she was a nobody. But to God, she was needed. And I'm sure Naaman didn't think twice about taking off his armor in front of her. She's just a little servant girl, the Bible called her. Who is she? Who's she going to tell? He's a, he has this amazing life. He's great at everything he does. He has money. He has status. She's nothing. She has no wealth. She has no value. She has no reputation. So, of course, Naaman can take off his armor in front of the young girl. And just a side note that I felt like God texted me while I was preparing for this. Um, I think some of us feel like the servant girl sometimes. Maybe you feel like the servant girl. Some of us feel like that, where we feel like nobody notices us. Where we feel like the hustle and the great work ethic get unnoticed. And we feel like, man, nobody sees what I'm going through. But I want to tell you this morning that not only are you noticed by God, but God needs you. God needs you. And maybe, maybe it's through your problem that you're facing that you're going to discover your purpose in your life. And it may not show in your job title right now. It may not show in your finances, but you are needed. God needs you. You may feel overlooked, but you're noticed by God. See, Naaman was great because of what he did, but the maid was great because of who she knew. She thought she was captured. Y'all, she thought she was captured. But she was actually chosen. 
She thought her life was out of control, but she was actually chosen. And the maid called Naaman out and said, if you want to be healed, you have to tell somebody. You have to go to the prophet. You have to get help. And I wonder how many people in our lives uh, that we have in our lives can tell us that and we actually accept it. And tell us, hey, man, you're not doing good right now. You should probably get some help. A lot of times we get defensive, right? How dare you? You don't know me. A lot of times that person ends up being your spouse and your family. Because the fact is you can fake it in front of people, but you can't fake out your family because they know the real you. So God uses honesty to heal us. And let's, let's move on to the second part of the story. I'm going to paraphrase just a, a few verses and then pick up in verse 9. So the king tells, tells um, Naaman to go, and so he goes to visit another king, and he brings with him gold, silver, and clothes, and he's going to try and pay for his healing. But that king doesn't even want to see him, and he sends him to the, uh, to the prophet, which is Elisha. And so pick up in verse 9, it says, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought, everybody say, I thought. I thought he would have certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Everybody say, his God. Call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Verse 12, aren't the rivers of the Damascus and the Abana and the Fapar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. The second thing that God uses to heal us is humility. Write that down on your sermon, guys, humility. God uses honesty, he uses humility. Naaman was expecting his healing to happen in a certain way. But his expectation almost eliminated his healing. Naaman's expectation almost eliminated his healing. And I wonder how many times in our lives our expectations eliminate what God is ultimately trying to do in our life. Instead of saying, God, I'm broken, I'm wounded, I'm tired, I'm in need of a healing, I'm struggling with this, and I need you to do this. Why don't we say, God, I'm struggling, I'm broken, I'm wounded, and I need you to do whatever you want to do because I trust you, and I know you know what's best for me. What if the way out might not be in the direction that you thought? Now, Naaman was at the top. Naaman was at the top of his game. He was at the top of society. He was elite in everything he did. He was a man of power. But he had to be brought down. Naaman had to leave his country to go to a country of a king he had already defeated. The king didn't want to see him, sent him to a prophet. The prophet didn't even go out and see him, sent him a messenger. And the messenger sent him out to the nasty, dirty Jordan River, which, by the way, was everyone's bathroom back then. He moved from the top to the bottom, from the president to the prophet. 
Gravity tells us, and we learned this in school, we learned this in science, that what goes up must come down, right? But with God, I've learned it's the opposite. God says what goes down will come up. He says if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. Whatever goes down will come up. God uses honesty and he uses humility to heal us. But let's check out the third thing that he uses in verse 12. He says, the story goes on, it says, But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. The third thing that God uses to heal us is desperation. Desperation. Write that down on your sermon, God. Desperation. Naaman was willing to pay for his healing. That was the easy way out for him. He had it. He had the money. He was willing to pay and take the easy way out. But that's not what God wanted. He was willing to pay with the gold, with the silver, with the clothes to get his healing. But little did he know the price tag that he would have to pay was pride. He had to hit rock bottom. He had to go to the dirty, nasty Jordan River and expose his wounds and become desperate, do what was hard for him. And I wonder what the price tag is in your life for God to come in and to heal that wound. Maybe you need to forgive that person instead of waiting for them to call you and apologize. Or maybe you need to forgive that person instead of praying their brakes go out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe you need, maybe, maybe you're constantly struggling with money. Maybe you need to join Financial Peace University instead of just hoping that a check shows up in your door. Maybe you need to go to rehab and stop trying to fix yourself. Maybe you need to break up with him instead of trying to change him. Maybe you need to break up with her instead of trying to change her. Maybe you need to go to marriage counseling instead of trying to fix it yourself. What's the price tag in your life? What's the thing that you don't want to do to where you have to become desperate to get that healing? My price tag in my wound my price tag is pride. My wound is, my hurt that I've always walked around with is that my mom passed away when I was two years old. Um, she was killed in a drunk driver accident, a drunk driver hit her. My brother and I were both in the car with her. My brother almost died. And um, so she was killed by this drunk driver and I was never allowed to talk about it. Never, never once talked about it. And so I walked around with this wound. And what's interesting about my life is that I've always kind of been able to win. It, it, whatever I put my mind to, I usually end up doing a pretty good job at it. And it's hard for me not to root for Naaman in this story because he's a winner. Naaman's a winner. It's possible to do great things for God and be wounded. Don't miss that. It is possible to do great things for God and be wounded, but you're not going to live your best life. He made it to the top, 
but he wasn't living his best life. And so I've always struggled with this hurt of my mom passing away. And I started to notice that one bad day just turned into another bad day. And it turned into a bad week, and I was just cranky for a month. And I started noticing people saying the word counselor and saying the word therapist around me. And so recently, I started going to see a therapist and a counselor just to talk about it, to get it out in the open. I had to humble myself because to me, even saying the word therapist is like icky. I just, it feels bad to me because that's how I was raised. It's my pride. Naaman humbled himself and became desperate. He did what he didn't want to do. He did what was hard in his own power. And he dipped in the dirty water and then he came out clean because God won't heal what you're hiding. But I think there's something powerful that happens after his healing. If we go to verse, um, verse 15, it says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, so he was healed. He goes back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know. Everybody say, Now I know. Now I know know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with the earth from this place, and I'll take it back home with me. From now on, I will never offer a burnt sacrifice or offering to any other God except the Lord. The fourth thing that God uses to heal us is salvation. Salvation. Could it be that Naaman's wound was just a distraction to what God ultimately wanted to do in his life. And that was that he was lacking a God. He was lacking somebody that he knew he could put his hope and put his trust in again. And healing is great. Healing is awesome. We pray for healing. But the most important part that I don't want you to miss is that our God is a God that you can hope in again. Naaman's soul was more important than his skin. And I know he didn't meet your expectations, but you can hope in him again. I know, I know your, your life isn't the way you thought it would be, but you can hope in him again. I know your marriage isn't as great as you thought it would be at this point in your life, but you can hope in him again. Our God is a God that we can hope and trust in when we say he's my God, not their God. And I love this part of the story because it shows that Naaman was thankful. Naaman was thankful. He tried to give Elisha the gift. But when he went to give it, God said, no, let me gift it. And so maybe you need healing of a wound. How do you get healed? You have to be honest about your wound. You have to humble yourself. You have to tell someone You have to do what's hard to do in your own power. And that's why growth groups are so important to us here at Hope City. They're so important. In fact, as you leave today, there's going to be a sign-up booth in Shepherdsville and here in South Louisville. There's going to be a sign-up booth. Please get plugged into a growth group. You need it. 
You need the growth group. You need people in your life that can just surround you in prayer that you can be honest and vulnerable in front of. In fact, James 5.15 says it like this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So maybe you just need to get it out in the open because God won't heal what you're hiding. Or maybe you need the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. It's a free gift that God gives everyone. He gives it to us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't pay for it. All we have to do is simply accept it. Can I pray for you? Bow your heads. God, I love you so much. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you put people in the Bible, and 2,000 years later, we can still learn from them. God, I thank you for our wounds. I pray for everyone that has a wound, that they're hiding, that they're covering up. God, help us know that it's okay not to be okay. God, help us to see the people that you put in our lives that we can be honest with about our wounds so we can find healing. Pray that we begin to take off our armor and expose our wounds, humble ourselves, and receive our healing. In Jesus' name, amen.